Welcome to the Later in Life Planning Show with Patrick Colley, brought to you by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, here's your host, Patrick Colley. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. At Keystone Elder Law, our mission, our mantra, is to shield the middle class from the costs of getting older. And, you know, I like to reflect in these shows on actual client experiences I have, what people are actually going through, and then come on here and sort of obviously without mentioning their names, you know, give you a sense of what real people around you are going through all the time so that you can sort of back up from that and start making your own plans. And part of the education that we do at Keystone Elder Law, I mean, it's this show, it's weekly webinars. If you go to keystoneelderlaw.com and use the webinar or the workshops tab, uh, you can get registered for a, a, a workshop on uh, middle-class estate planning, middle-class asset protection. How are you going to pay for long-term care? I mean, a lot of it goes to predictable threats, that are coming the way of most families in the later years of life. And, you know, we want you to know what the concepts are. We want you to know what the language is and the solutions that are available because it can be a minefield. You don't want to step in the wrong place. So today my topic is going to be some of, not some of it will be the legal or financial planning that you can do well in advance, but my heart really goes out to the adult child who is called in to be the family caregiver or adult children and but I say that you know some knowing that sometimes it's one local adult child and the other siblings are in the far flung reaches of the United States or the world uh but regardless of where they are there are some tips for being a family caregiver um and I want to go through a number of these what might seem sort of scattered thoughts because it, it it just covers the gamut from legal to financial to real estate to uh, just your own psychological well-being. But there are time-tested tips for being a family caregiver because so many of us look at the demographics, so many of us are going to be thrust into this role. And, and I said this on a previous episode, but it's worth repeating uh, you know, a study came out recently, and this is Pennsylvania specific. It said that by 2030, which sure seems like it should be further in the future than it is, that's seven years from now, 2030, the the population in Pennsylvania that is 85 years or older is going to nearly double. And for all those people, 85 and older, I mean, a lot of them have kids. A lot of them are absolutely going to need some sort of family caregiver, some sort of arrangement to support them and give them the best life that they can have at that age. Um, So it's going to fall on you, the listeners who are the spouse or the the adult child of those people who are 85 and older. So so let's get into some of the tips for family caregivers. And and I'll start off with something that might sound a bit self-serving, but at Keystone Elder Law, this is something that we, we gets us out of bed in the morning. We, we passionately believe in this. And the legal planning, when you look at legal planning, think of the power of attorney first. If your parents are getting older, this is the most important thing you could possibly do. And I do believe in holistic planning, so not identifying one tool in the toolbox. But if I had to pick my favorite, 
the most important tool you could possibly pull out of the toolbox for your aging parent. It's the it's the durable power of attorney, and this is how you deal with paying the bills, accessing maybe their retirement account that has only their name on it. Think, put yourself in 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 the shoes of the the person working at the bank or you know at Fidelity or Vanguard or wherever they have a retirement account. They're not going to talk to anybody but the account holder. But if you have a power of attorney, you just unlocked the door to managing everything that your parent was able to do their whole life up until this point. And so, you know, forget all those ideas of I need to be on the bank account, I need to be on this or that. No, you don't. You just need to have a power of attorney that allows you to make not only those decisions, but so many more. Anything dealing with money or property or uh, signing agreements, signing a, you know, a signature on a deed to sell a property. And, and probably the most important takeaway here is don't wait until the parent or your spouse needs a major surgery or is on the doorstep of the long-term care facility. Because I'll just tell you, I mean, at Keystone Elder Law, the, the phone rings all the time, which is I guess, good as the owner of the business. I mean, we, we want to help people. We want to be there for them. But a lot of those phone calls are people, I mean, just recently, last week, we had somebody call and say, you know, I need a medical power of attorney because my parent is having a surgery in, in two weeks. And it's like, well, you know, we have people on our calendar for months in advance, which is a good problem to have for any any business, I suppose. But but our heart is in the right place. We want to help people. But how can we fit somebody in when everybody else who has called us and gotten onto our calendar is doing responsible planning? They're not waiting until an emergency. And and why would you wait until you know you're on the doorstep of the hospital or a long term care facility? This is a big deal. The ability to have a have legal authority to help your parents, to get into their bank accounts, to make decisions about their insurance policies, to make decisions about their real estate, everything in their life that they spent decades saving and and building, there has to be a plan. And why you would leave that to the last minute, it, I, I, I sometimes get not frustrated, but, but I, I just scratch my head and I wonder, what were they thinking that they waited that long? And we do our best to get people in an emergency basis, we block off parts of our calendar to deal with crises and emergencies, but but it's not ideal. And it's not and I not just from our standpoint, it's really not ideal for your family to leave things to go to the last minute. And if you don't have that power of attorney, uh, you know, here's the backup plan. If you waited, now the parent is incapacitated. Guardianship court is the only way to make decisions for them guardianship court. So we have to file paper in the court courthouse. We have to wait until there's a court hearing. The judge has an open hearing where we have to discuss the situation, make a record, and the judge appoints somebody to make decisions. Is that, is that what you want? It's going to take longer. It's an invasion of privacy. You know, there are things you can do in advance to seamlessly deal with incapacity. And as a function of age, this is just something you want to be way out in front of. Medical decision making, since I brought it up, I mean, same same deal. You, you know, there is a law that says if you don't have a health care power of attorney and living will, it's called the health care representative law. But it's a one size fits all solution for your family. So if there's one sibling who causes a lot of problems, 
maybe they live out in, well, we'll just say California because you know how they are. So they come in just when it's time to, to cause problems and then they fly back out and, and leave you with the mess. Well, you know, the healthcare representative law says that all children have equal decision-making authority, whereas your parent could have said, well, let's not let the California kid cause problems. Let's let our doting son or daughter locally have all the decision-making authority and then have the California kid as the backup. Um, But that's your personalized plan. And if you don't have that, medical decision-making goes by the one-size-fits-all plan. Now you have to deal with everybody at the table, even if they have no idea what's really going on. And, And those children from afar... Um, although their heart might be in the right place, in my experience at Keystone Elder Law, I find that they just don't have a realistic view of, gosh, mom or dad's health really is slipping, and they just don't know it. They're not there like you, the local person, uh, are all the time. And and so planning can be personalized, and, and this should be done well in advance um, so that you don't have the government's one-size-fits-all plan so that it really makes sense for who should be set up with the right authority. And trust planning, I mean, not to skip over the will, I, everybody wants to talk about the will. If if you don't have a will, then, then your property is going to go to all the kids, regardless of whether they're in good standing, so to speak, with the family or not. But trust planning is something else that should either be built into your will or maybe something, a living trust, to protect property from the challenges of the later years of life. Middle-class families need more asset protection than anybody else. I've said that before on this show. I'll say it again. You know, the rich, if if they don't have asset protection, they're just paying more to the IRS. The people who don't have any money, well, they're going to have their their medical care and their housing and so forth provided to them. But the middle class, you spend your life saving and disciplined about your spending. And then, boy, something comes along like a stroke or dementia— or Parkinson's, and it's all wiped out. So I think the middle class needs estate planning and and asset protection more than anybody else, and trust planning in addition to your power of attorney. Your healthcare power of attorney can really make such a difference in the future of your family. So this is sort of the ground floor of family caregivers. Understand what legal planning looks like. Of course, financial advisors do a great job too, but this is the foundation of legal planning And uh, I'll go into some other aspects of being a family caregiver after a break. Um, In the meantime, if you want more education than what you're hearing on this show, go to KeystoneElderLaw.com, find the Workshops tab, and you can get registered for an upcoming online webinar. Take it in from the comfort of your home and learn about asset protection and estate planning or learn about how you pay for long-term care, one of the most expensive and predictable threats coming the way of middle-class families. We do these almost weekly. It's part of our commitment to educating people on these concepts. I'll be back in a moment for more on the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580. Now, more of the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. We're back on the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I'm your host, Patrick Cauley. I'm the owner of Keystone Elder Law. And before the break, you know, I was talking generally about being a family caregiver. So if you're the adult child who has been, whether you wanted it or not, thrust into the role of looking after 
uh, parents who are in the later years of life, there's a lot of considerations that come into play. And, you know, I think, you know, and maybe I'm biased, but chief among them is having that legal planning done. And I talked about the power of attorney, the healthcare power of attorney, maybe some trust planning if asset protection is important to your, your parents. But a lot of what goes into that is understanding the threats that come their way. So understand the levels of care and how you pay for those levels of care, whether it's, you know, that goal that everybody has, stay in the home as long as possible. That's possible. You know, we, there are there are a lot of resources out there in central Pennsylvania to do that. Um, but know what the other levels are just in case. And on a long enough timeline, a lot of people run into you know, we're going to run out of money if we don't have Medicaid, which is the long-term uh, care safety net for the middle class. Medicare does not pay for long-term care, which comes as a rude awakening for a lot of people. But understand how Medicaid works. And that's what a lot of the workshops that I do with Keystone Elder Law, you know, if you go to our website and use the workshops tab, I'm talking about the levels of care, how much they cost, how Medicaid works, especially because... I would say the number one mistake that a lot of family caregivers and their parents make is gifting. So whether it's it's I'm going to help children with, you know, their mortgage payments or give them money, give money to to grandkids, whether it's um, you know, mom, here's here's a conversation I had recently with clients um you know, mom mom can't be in her home anymore. There's three levels of stairs. Uh, it's not safe. Her medical condition doesn't, you know, we can't leave her alone. So what if we build on to our house and have mom move in? Well, if mom ends up needing skilled care and they look back five years, as they always do, to see what kind of money left mom's accounts, you know, if she's paying for that addition to the home, that's, you know, that's gifting, which turns into a penalty period where Medicaid won't pay for long-term care. So they're at, you know, mom in that case would be adding to the value of the home of the adult child. Now, this is totally off the radar screen for adult children who just want to do the right thing. You know, they want to they want to make sure mom's in a safe place, but they also need mom to chip in a little bit because they're, gosh, you know, to build onto your house, to, to build an apartment for mom to have dignity and privacy. Uh, that's just what they want to do, but then they run it by me and they're totally shocked that I tell them there's a right way and a wrong way to do this because if mom's paying for that, she just enhanced the value of your home. How is that not gifting in the eyes of Medicaid, which will mean paying $13,000 a month privately until Medicaid will kick in after the penalty period? So if, if Medicaid is ever in the future, you want to be very careful about things like that. I'm going to shift gears a little bit and talk about some other things and in previous episodes of the show you know just being the the family caregiver uh, a very very important issue came up with Katie Martz from Fox Rehab where we talked about keeping the older adult active and moving because there are benefits for both mental and physical health for that person so you know if they were involved with a book group or or a church group or a church community um, even if it's just getting notes in the mail or phone calls from family and friends, getting them out of the house, getting older is not a reason to stay in bed or on the couch. This is not like getting the flu, you know, where, okay, you're, you're frail, you need to recover. 
that's that's not how to look at the the, the family member who's getting older because you know everyone will live longer and have a higher quality of life if they stay active and if they stay strong and the more you're you know even just standing more and walking more the the blood flow the the building up those little muscles for balance preventing falls that's that's just so incredibly important for you the child of the family caregiver ask who is your team what if you get sick what if life just gets busy for you who takes care of mom or dad and and this can get tricky especially if as i said earlier in this show if you're the one local uh child but your siblings live across the country and the world who's the backup plan and and it's helpful i think to look at skill sets and divide responsibility who's good at organizing bills and getting them paid or figuring out insurance policies who's good at talking to doctors where there might be more of an emotional component these are things that that you know the 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 sooner you start figuring it out who's going to play what role start running those scenarios if we have to divide up responsibilities who's the team member you know, even if it's just a longtime friend of your parents who might be really skilled in something, start thinking about that. That's going to go a long way toward a seamless plan to make sure that the older adult in your family is going to be well taken care of without driving you nuts in a crisis. Keep in mind, there will be good days and there will be bad days. There are actually statistics, public health studies on the effect of a family caregiver when it comes to depression and physical illness. So why do I bring that up? Because as you're working through these scenarios that could come up, have a plan for a break, a respite, as they call. And there are at the assisted living or personal care level, at the skilled nursing level, there is such a thing as respite care where your loved one can go stay there for two weeks while you just go let off some steam. It's you are not doing that older adult any favors if you burn out or if you get sick because of the effect of being on call essentially 24-7. This is all part of the process. What you're doing does not need to be perfect. You will only get better at caring for your family member by, you know, I hate to say it, making mistakes and learning from them. You know, don't don't think Adult Protective Services is going to come crashing the, down the door and and saying, you know, you should have heated the dinner up a little bit better. You're you're going to make mistakes. You're not going to be perfect, but you're human and you're doing the best you can. Just that's all you can do. So keep that in mind and abolish the word should from your vocabulary. I I I really should be doing this for my mom or dad. I should be doing that. That's the kind of language that sets you up for a feeling of guilt that's just really hard to get over. If you're, if you're following along here, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about taking care of yourself. You're the family member who's handling a significant responsibility for people who cared for you. And so I think we, we put more responsibility on our own shoulders uh, because of that. You know, they raised me. They made me who I am. Now they need me. Well, take care of yourself. You know, that's not selfish. That's that's you're you're doing, you know, for you, yourself what you need to do so that you can be a good caregiver. Make this non-negotiable. If it means calendaring 30 minutes a day when you watch a Netflix show or you read a book or you go for a walk, whatever you need to do to check out 
and just be with yourself, do it. Make it non-negotiable. So many adult children or spouses of, of an older adult tell me at Keystone Elder Law, I didn't expect this. This is a rude awakening. And God forbid if I'm talking about Medicaid planning to pay for long-term care, it's, I might as well, you know, it's that teacher in the background of the, the Charlie Brown, you know, shows. It's, I, I, I'm just, it, it's a foreign language. They have no idea what they're hearing and it takes time to digest you know, the levels of care were something they never thought of. And why would they? Why would you, if you're the adult child taking care of a parent? You've never been faced with this before. And frankly, you know, you go through your day and we live in a youth-obsessed culture. There's anti-aging creams. You know, there's, you know, this workout regimen or this new diet. Constant media messages about staying young and full of life. Only occasionally do you see a story about someone in the later years of life, and it's a feel-good story, like like the person who graduates from college in their 80s because they had to walk away and take care of family responsibilities. And that's fantastic. I love those stories. But what you don't hear about is what you, the listener, might be going through right now or or might be going through in the near future. You don't hear about the parent getting dementia and what that looks like. You don't hear what it's like to care for your spouse or parent as they lose the ability to even remember who you are. You don't hear about what, you know, that it really amounts to a full-time job taking that person who has meant so much to you for decades to doctor appointments, to, you know, they rely on you for everything, even helping them bathe, helping them take medications and making sure they eat. But one thing I want to caution you against is this idea that you hear from time to time about role reversal, like you were the kid, they were the parents, now you're the parent to your parent. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. In fact, you know, you try bossing your parent around as they get older. They they might be incapacitated from a mobility standpoint, maybe even by dementia, but they still have their thoughts, their opinions. Uh, they're still human beings with choices to make, even if you disagree with their choices, you know, and it takes some humility to recognize this. It takes patience. And that is really the rude awakening. I think that's, you know, if you try to talk to your, your older parents as if they're your children and you're saying, look, this is how it's going to be because it's in your best interest, the, the dynamic is not the same and it will not work out well. I think one other thing to, to keep in mind as, the, as the, the adult child or the spouse of somebody who needs a higher level of care and you're the caregiver is know your resources. So there are resources that can both be good for them and give you a break. There's something called the Life Program where it's county by county in Pennsylvania. They'll pick you up. They'll take you to a life center and you'll get all of your medical care plus there's socialization. There's adult day, which is basically uh, the the life program without the medical aspect where you're, you know, you're having socialization. You're not being isolated. There are the respite stays I mentioned or even a permanent move. And that's that can be a tough conversation to have. But going into a place where somebody is going to get all of the care they need. These are the options. These are the, the considerations you should have. We'll talk more about being the family caregiver in a moment. You're listening to the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio, WHP 580. 
Welcome back to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. Here's Patrick Colley. We're back on the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I'm your host, Patrick Colley, and today I'm talking about being that family caregiver and some of the tips and considerations you might have if you are already in that situation or if it's coming your way. And the statistics say that it's probably coming your way. I mean, we have a very uh, graying population. There's a, a lot of people who are going to be uh, needing a higher level of care. They're going to need their uh, their family members to be there for them, and they're going to need other resources. And I'm focusing on the family resources for now. And so, some of the things you know that you can you can be thinking about if you're that family caregiver is recognize that caring for an older adult is a lifestyle change, and that might not be something totally new to you. I mean, remember back when uh, you first had children of your own, or if you don't have children, you've certainly heard about this concept where, you know, waking up in the middle of the night for a screaming child or, you know, having to rearrange your fr- what used to be your free time. Uh, now you're running kids to, you know, one practice or another. That's a lifestyle shift. There's a a similar but but I think significantly different lifestyle shift that comes with being the family caregiver for an older adult. Um, you know, this is not you know with a child eighteen to twenty two years. You you know usually you send them off. They're they're on their own. Um, but you know I I think that there's even running kids around to practice and and all of that. We have a very fast society. You know where. Everything's constantly, it seems like things are moving quicker all the time. As your parents get older and you're you're the family caregiver, things are going to move more slowly than you are used to. So they're physically not able to move as slowly. They have no desire, or they're going to move slowly. They have no desire to move quickly. Um, they're, you know, they don't have the same work deadlines that you have or the, the phone ringing off the hook. Things have slowed down for them. I think, and this is just me talking, but I think this is an opportunity for you to slow down. You know, recognize why you're doing this. Be in that moment. Just be there. And and realize you're not always going to have this time. Because I think that what, what ends up happening is so many adult uh, children in this context will just get frustrated with their parents. Like, why... All day long, I make decisions after decisions after decisions, and I deal with other people who are constantly making decisions. Why are my parents taking so long? Well, you know, put yourself in their shoes. This is an opportunity for empathy. It's an opportunity for patience and humility. But, you know, put yourself in their shoes and really remember why you're in this caregiving role to begin with. It's for them. It's not about you. And so take the time because you're not always going to have it. You know, take the, maybe even take photos, take videos, record conversations, do whatever you have to do. But, you know, savor this time. Even if it's not what you're used to, it might be a jarring change in your, your daily routine. But savor it and go at their pace and be, make it about them and not about you. Sort of to take a different look at it, you know, there are people who say, you know, you, you have the older adult and they, they, they say, I don't want to be a burden. Or worse, they might say, I don't know why I'm still here. 
my own one of my grandmothers both of my grandmothers lived until their 90s and i re, i vividly remember one of them saying um i think god forgot about me you know she had lost her husband she had lost a lot of her uh, uh siblings close friends cousins i mean she she really was the 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 one remaining standing person in that generation so she was saying i think god forgot about me well that's what's underneath a statement like that it's it's wondering about their purpose and we all need a sense of purpose it's what keeps us going through our day so show that that person their sense of purpose bring them the younger generations have them ask questions and I, and I I'll say it again I really think recording those conversations because then when your kids your grandkids get older they can actually hear the voice of their their the, the people who came before them and and there's something to that save it for posterity but but understand I mean that's that goes to the core of well-being is understanding what your purpose is so when people start to say you know I I I, th- I you know I think I'm ready to go or I just don't know why I'm here you know that's that goes to their purpose so so te- you know tend to that give them their sense of purpose because they are a huge part of why you are who you are on a more I guess practical note what are some other things that you can be doing in this time I mean we have an awful lot of advantages these days technology and and services available that people didn't used to have so if you do feel pressed for time, if you're if everything's fast, 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 go, 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 well, you know, there are more home delivered meal options now that are nutritious that you can you can take advantage of so that meals, good meals can be prepared quickly uh, for somebody who needs it. Amazon is a great source and other places are a great source of having things delivered to the home. Uh, you can pretty much just buy anything you would want or need online. Um, think about you know those options to to uh, streamline the delivery of what a person might need. So another thing is just you know ha- you know housekeepers, landscapers. You don't have to be the source for everything that this older adult needs. There there are you know if you go through all of the things in your own life, you know do you have to be the person who's Johnny on the spot to do everything for this older adult. No. And if you, going back to what I said at the very beginning of the show, if you have power of attorney, you can spend your parents' money on the landscaper, somebody to cut the grass, somebody to, you know, clean the windows, somebody to clean the house. This is for their well-being. You know, don't have a hang-up about their money and, and hoarding it. This is what it's for. And you are certainly allowed to spend the parents' money and don't worry about what I talk about with Medicaid and gifting penalties. If they're allowed to buy things, especially if it's for their safety, it's for their quality of life, and you can certainly arrange for all of these things. And frankly, the more the busier you are and the fewer helpers you have on your team, the more this is going to be incredibly important. Be aware of other resources. Build your team, which might include the person who you hire to cut the grass or clean the house. Also, there are volunteers. You know, Americans are a volunteering nation. Probably, I I think we don't get enough credit for that. But if you look around, whether it's a religious organization, a church group, whether it's a service organization, I'll tell you, the, the schools are doing a good job of requiring service hours of their students 
they're looking for opportunities to serve. So you don't have to look very far for a church or a school group or some other community service group, one of the fraternal organizations, the, the, the Lions, the Rotary Groups. They are looking for ways to improve the community around them. That's what they exist to do. They can improve the life of your loved one, your family member, your older adult, and they can take some of the load off of you. You know, it, it, that's what they're there for. So look for them to help. Say these words. I can take care of my parent until. How does that sentence end for you? I can take care of my parent until. What is it for you? You know, because if you don't consciously think of this and make a deliberate decision, you're just going to keep pushing off how long you can run yourself into the ground taking care of a parent. If there's no sort of clear line in the sand about, you know, now it's time to move the parent to a higher level of care, you're going to keep working against your own best interests and maybe against theirs. At some point, it's safer for them. It's safer for you. It's in everybody's best interests and and good health goals to have a line where you can no longer do it yourself, even with helpers. So know where that is. I can take care of my parent until... So don't keep pushing that line ahead because you haven't made a conscious decision. Know where the line is and then consciously take sort of inventory of where you are in the progression of things. And everybody's going to be different. Depends on physical mobility. It depends on memory care. It depends on all kinds of things. It depends on you and your health. It depends on the health of your marriage. It depends on how often you have to be at your job. But you have to know the end of that sentence. I can take care of my parent until. In the meantime, get organized. Being organized makes a huge difference. So if you have in one central place a list of medications, insurance information, legal documents, a calendar of appointments that your your loved one, your family member needs to go to, and I'm not talking about on your phone because what if something happens to you? It has to be somewhere accessible to everybody It'll help you stay organized, but it'll also be a seamless plan. Have it all there in one place. Other caregivers and resources should be on that list. A good question to ask is, could someone else pick up where you left off if suddenly you're not available? Because there's an awful lot riding on what you do, and you might not recognize that. You just do it out of love. But you want to have it all organized. You want to have it uh, have a plan. So... One final thing for this uh, this segment before we take a break is don't make promises you can't keep. Mom, I'll never put you in a nursing home. I'll always keep you in my house. A better way to put it would be I'm going to make sure that you get the best possible care and support you you can ever have. And, and leave it open-ended because you don't know your own future. You don't know your parents' future. And some things will get beyond what you can control. So be careful about promises you can't keep. And And, you know, honesty goes a long way. This is going back to what I said about you don't talk to your aging parents the same way you talk to your kids. You know, you have to be honest because they'll sniff out the BS and they'll they'll understand that if you're saying something you you can't do. I'm talking about family caregiver advice here today on the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. We'll be back in a moment for more on News Radio WHP 580. 
It's the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. Now your host, Patrick Colley. We are back on the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I'm your host, Patrick Colley, and I'm speaking sort of broadly today and perhaps all over the place about what it's like to be the family caregiver. If you're the adult child who is caring for an older parent, if you're even the, if you're the spouse caring for your spouse in a completely different setting, uh, it's it's not like life you've ever seen it before. I'm talking about the tips and the ideas that go along with being the family caregiver. I think one very important theme is communication. Family communications early and often will make such a big difference because you have to let other people know. First of all, if you're the adult child, you have to let your parent know, if you're the caring for a parent, what your availability is going to be. What are your boundaries? So if you're getting phone calls every you know half an hour in the middle of the night, you need to set an expectation and a boundary. If you have out-of-state siblings... And, you know, they're out of the loop. They don't want to be out of the loop. So you have to establish how how often are you going to tell them this is what's going on with mom or dad. So you're warding off resentment, but also there's a benefit. You can get their input on things. However, as I've said earlier in the show, they may not have a realistic understanding of what you're up against. So it's in your best interest to let them know. Here's a detailed report, whether it's an email, a family text, whatever it is, have a regular update. Maybe even these days, you know, a selfie video with mom or dad. You know, they need to know what you're up against. They need to know ways they can support you. They need to know, you know, that that this may be taking a toll on you in some cases. So your roles in, you know, might be everything from chauffeur to financial interpreter, to legal interpreter, to medical researcher. You know, you have a lot of different hats you're wearing when you're in this role. So be mindful of, because days fly by and you have your own life, you have your own family, you have your own job, but you're doing all these other roles. And that's why boundaries are important and that's why communication is important. Um, You know, it's probably a separate conversation, but sometimes the one being cared for, whether because of a disease process or because of how they always were, who knows, might be kind of abusive or nasty. The, The boundaries are only more important in that case where here's what I'll do and I will do I will not go further. Um, and that's looking out for yourself, but it's also just setting the tone for a, for a caregiving relationship that will work. So I, I love this, this quote, Rosalind Carter, the, the wife of, of Jimmy Carter, uh, you, you know, whatever your, your feelings on politics are, Jimmy Carter seems like a good guy. He spent his years after the white house building houses for habitat for humanity. And he and his wife, Rosalind are avid fly fishermen, which, uh, is okay in my book, but Rosalind Carter has a, has a great quote. There are only four types of people in the world. Those who have been caregivers, those who currently are caregivers, those who will be caregivers, those who will need caregivers. Obviously there's, you know, a lot of care being given here and, and it's, it's, it's inevitable. I think Rosalind Carter hit, hit the nail on the head. I mean, you're, you're going to be in one of these roles. You're going to need care. You're going to give care at some point in your life. 
when it comes to what does that mean in in the actual medical context you have to be in you know keep in mind that when you go into a hospital what is the goal you know there are stats on you know people at certain stages of life for example when you know our, our the medical community can do absolutely amazing things that they never used to be able to do they can open up heart valves they can extend life in ways that they never could before but should they and this is where it's an opportunity for you to be an advocate for the older adult in your life you know when they say 50% half of angioplasties done on older persons result in dementia and you know a third of older adults who go to the hospital for a surgery lose the ability to walk maybe sometimes the answer is do less so in other words if they're going to put your older adult your parent your aunt uncle whoever you're caring for through a battery of tests if the end goal of the tests is whether to do a surgery or not maybe it's better to ask the question first are we willing to do this surgery or not because if not leave the hospital don't do the tests and i'm not a doctor i mean i i'm just talking from the perspective of people i've learned from who are advocates for older adults and a lot of doctors get this right too and i don't mean to to suggest otherwise they you know you look at the whole picture though because inevitably you know there is such a thing as the capitalization of healthcare where the more they treat the more they get paid and and i think that people who go into healthcare that's not how they're thinking because they you know they come at it the same way elder law attorneys do we're looking out for the best interests of people but you need to advocate you need to advocate for your loved one you know older adults who who they they tend not to want to defy a doctor and what what the doctor thinks is a good idea because maybe they came through an era where you always listen to authority but you know i think we all generally trust doctors to know what they're doing you're the advocate for them so ask questions that they're not willing to ask the insurance industry of course is controlling so much of the patient experience from beginning to end so you know you might have to look at documents you might have to know what's in the best interests of uh of your loved one or family member and and make calls and and press back and say no that's not what the language says but you know i guess one theme of the medical experience in the later years of life is don't treat every symptom of aging as if it's a disease there are certain symptoms that are to be expected and this is an important message for a lot of i think children older adult children who have known their parents their whole lives and they get frustrated with doctors with with healthcare professionals they get frustrated with a lot of people because what is the adult child expecting they want their parent back you know the way they remember them probably you know 10 20 years earlier is that realistic it's not and and so they take it out on the the doctor or the nurse or the the home healthcare aide you know because they have an unrealistic expectation so check that you know is that what you're expecting you want them to be to get better and be what they were 20 years ago because this is a one way street you know and it, and it does end a certain way and have realistic expectations you know but all along the way there's there's just things to be a mindful of in the caregiver's journey there are resources available there are support groups and and you might think well i don't need any of that well okay but think about 
what happens to people who are caregivers, and maybe some of this, is especially for spousal caregivers, depression and anxiety is off the charts in the statistics, regardless of whether it's even a life-threatening medical condition. Even like right when the diagnosis happens, there are noticeable increases in the stats on depression and anxiety. All of the assumptions they've had about where their lives together are, are going just suddenly are shattered. You know, all the ideas they had about what being later in life would look like, and now this is where they are. Being a spousal caregiver is is a challenge. Um, you know, you don't know how to act. Your old ways of, of helping don't work anymore. Your old ways of communicating with each other don't work anymore. You have to find... And this happens even in the happiest of marriages. You have to find different ways of connecting that you've never, ever had to in all of the challenges or or joy of your many years of marriage. Now you're finding different ways to connect. So, you know, the relationship, uh, you know, this, this can escalate in, into a problem, but it can also just be an opportunity for richness in the relationship. These are all ideas for being the caregiver, and I I don't have all the answers. I don't have maybe even many answers, but I'm raising observations I see when I meet with clients at Keystone Elder Law, when I talk to other caregivers, professional caregivers, family caregivers. Um, We're very fortunate at Keystone Elder Law to have a wide network of people who work with older adults because no one of us is the solution we we rely on you know we have to reach out and say well I can't do that but I know who somebody who can these are just the observations I hear all the time the challenges and it just helps to know about them well in advance if you need holistic planning if you want to learn more about this you know we do our best at least in our neck of the woods of what we do with the legal and financial planning at Keystone Elder Law understanding the threats coming your way Go to keystoneelderlaw.com and using the workshops tab, get registered for an upcoming workshop on middle-class estate planning or asset protection or how you're going to pay for long-term care, learn about the levels of care, but know that there are always more resources. There are always more solutions to make being a family caregiver easy, but plan ahead and take action. I hope this was helpful and I hope you join me next week for another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580.